Hello and welcome to the Lazy Book Club podcast, the book club for those who don't want to read or leave the house. My name is Matt Gonzalez. Uh, um, it's David Cox. <laughs> and I'm Josh Matheson. And this week we are looking at chapter 15 of Treasure yeah. Island, which One is five. The Man of the Island. Last week was a bit brutal. We had two men from the Hispaniola murdered by John's hello, crew. Hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> the but commitment. It's the commitment level for me. Don't really. have a rule if you're not going to stick to it. <laughs> you made the rule. Yeah, exactly. So last week we had John kill Tom and Alan, who we Alan. never actually met. I don't know who Alan is. We, just, we don't know Alan. Alan. Just like Alan. <laughs> your, your dad's mate. Your dad's yeah. mate. That's <laughs> Generic white man Alan died as well. And then Jim fainted, didn't he, after witnessing the murder of Tom? He sort of had a little spacey moment where everything was spinning. It was like a, it was actually quite cinematic. This kind of quite happens quite yeah. a lot in those things with victims, where they're like stumbling along down the dark corridor trying to get away from the killer and stuff. So had a bit of bit of reminiscent of that. And he then blew a whistle and signalled to the other people, and they were obviously all congregating somewhere. And Jim decided to make a run for it, and that's where we left him, where he said that he was scared because he saw something scary, yeah, yeah. and then we have the man of the island is the next chapter so we're assuming he's met somebody who's not from the ship a local yes mm. are you local so yeah let, I, i'm quite intrigued to see what this guy's deal is like is he actually indigenous is he someone who's a pirate or a captive of the pirates who was left behind when the last time they turned up to bury the treasure we'll find out or it could just be there's like a high street just over there. Like, oh, it's wild. <laughs> on holiday. There's, li- <laughs> there's literally a church and a shop and a pub. And the boots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chapter 15. The Man of the Island. From the side of the hill, which was here steep and stony, A spout of gravel was dislodged and fell rattling and bounding through the trees. My eyes turned instinctively in that direction, and I saw a figure leap with great rapidity behind the trunk of a pine. What it was, whether bear or man or monkey, I could in no wise tell. It seemed dark and shaggy. More I knew not but the terror of this new apparition brought me to a stand. I was now, it seemed, cut off upon both sides. Behind me the murderers, before me this lurking nondescript, and immediately I began to prefer the dangers that I knew to those I knew not. Better the devil you know. Better than the devil you know. (laughs) That's I Kylie, think this right? is where this is where Kylie got the idea yeah. from. That's yeah, where it is. Where it's yeah. from. Oh, I'm hundred percent. Silver himself appeared less terrible in contrast with this creature of the woods, and I turned on my heel and, looking sharply behind me over the shoulder, began to retrace my steps in the direction of the boats. Instantly, the figure reappeared, and making a wide circuit, began to head me off. I was tired at any rate, but had I been as fresh as when I rose. 
I could see it was in vain for me to contend in speed with such an adversary. From trunk to trunk the creature flitted like a deer, running man-like on two legs, but unlike any man that I had ever seen, stooping almost double as it ran. Yet a man it was, I could no longer be in any doubt about that. I began to recall what I had heard of cannibals. I was within an ace of calling for help, but the mere fact that he was a man, however wild, had somewhat reassured me, and my fear of silver began to revive in proportion. I stood still, therefore, and cast about for some method of escape. And as I was so thinking, the recollection of my pistol flashed into my mind. As soon as I remembered I was not defenceless, courage glowed again in my heart, and I set my face resolutely for this man of the island, and walked briskly towards him. He was concealed by this time behind another tree trunk, but he must have been watching me closely, for as soon as I began to move in his direction he reappeared and took a step to meet me. Then he hesitated, drew back, came forward again, and at last, to my wonder and confusion, threw himself on his knees and held out his clasped hands in supplication. At that I once more stopped. Who are you? I asked. And then the man of the island responds. I was going to say, can you make it broad Stewart? What does Rod Stewart sound like? Ever seen a blind man cross the road? I met Rod Stewart once. Isn't that the Stereophonics? Yeah, that one is Stereophonics. But he he sings that too. Yeah, they both sing. Oh, Oh, okay. He's like, Maggie, I think I got something to say. Well, there you go. You know it. (laughs) (laughs) You got it. It's Rod Stewart. Oh, so now I see that your like laugh wasn't because you didn't know what voice to use. It was just the ridiculousness of the suggestion. It was ridiculous, but also I don't know how if speaking Rod Stewart is particularly very remarkable to listen to. But I'm happy to try. Well, that's why you're singing it, though, right? Well, I've got to do it yeah, all. That's, in... that's, that's why it's got to be Maggie May. Oh, it's got to be Maggie May. So yeah. there it is. It's gonna. I was gonna just something else, but then at the same time, I'm like, I quite like singing. But then I'm also wondering if you could do something like this for anyone else. Probably not, because he's the only wild man we've come across. Okay. Mm. But you, you, you're, you're very welcome to add to uh, Rod Stewart singing Maggie May. We can embellish. Well, I was just thinking, like, because he's not seen anybody, maybe he could, like, talk to himself a little bit, like, over his shoulder or, like, add little kind of ticky, like, noises or like maybe even some animal noises or something like under his breath. He just goes like, yeah. Uh-huh. You know, every time he finishes the sentence, he might just be like, he might just be like. Well, let's hope this, hope this. I want this kind of like, Wilson, Wilson, kind of vibe, like the castaway. Okay. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I know. So if, uh, if you feel if you feel like adding a moment of insanity at the end of each okay. sentence, or like a or whatever, 
Yeah, that was my suggestion. Just, just imagine you've been like you've never, you've not seen anybody for years, and you've just completely forgotten how to talk to a human. Great, basically. But, uh, but Rod Stewart. But as Rod Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine Rod Stewart hasn't seen a human for years. Brilliant. <laughs> and he's a castaway. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine that. Yeah, absolutely. He does look like one. To be fair. He doesn't look that different from the guy on the floor. His hair's all <laughs> over the place. It's and not much of a stretch, really. Okay. But like <clears> I did it was it was pre it was pre-planned, but for some reason the first thing that came to my head was that. And I've not even thought about that as a that as a person for a long I don't know what I don't know where it comes in my brain. It's like it's like what? What? Where, what? Why did that come from? And I just yeah, stuck you, with you it. You haven't been you know? listening to Rod Stewart. You haven't. No, nope. not a single bit. Out the blue. There you go. Well, just as an interesting statistic, your average Brit thinks about Rod Stewart once every three <laughs> months. So maybe you're just you. Well, wasn't Tom killed with a rod? Or is Tom, uh, yeah, with a rod. <laughs> well, a walking stick and then a knife, but it's very similar. Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> Who? Are you? I asked. Pen gun. <laughs> he answered, and his voice sounded hoarse and awkward, awkward. like a rusty yeah. lock. If, yeah. if Rod Stewart has not got a voice like a rusty lock, hoarse and how. awkward. There's literally what we did. The noises are awkward, and Rod Stewart is hoarse. There we go. See, oh, it's wow. like we planned it. Perfect. Awkward. We've got a picture. Hang on, where is it? There he is. Rod? Yeah. I love how unimpressed he is. I know. know. Jim is literally... Jim is looking at him like how a, a mean girl in high school would just be like, you can't sit with me. <laughs> like yeah. That's literally the disdain and yeah. disgust and it, on his it face. Almost looks like, it almost looks like he's not too far away from a bevel. Yes. <laughs> Impatient <laughs> tapping. Oh. It is. He's very sassy in this picture. Jim suddenly thinks, uh, I think maybe what it is, is Jim's been like the bottom of the pile the whole time yeah. on the ship. And now he's found someone to look down on. He's enjoying that. I think that's what's happening. You need a grubby rod to make him feel better. Yeah, Jim, you in a hurry. Everyone kicks down. Everyone always kicks down. And even the cabin boys found someone to kick down at. I could now see that he was a white man like myself and that his features were even pleasing. His skin, wherever it was exposed, was burnt by the sun. Even his lips were black, and his fair eyes looked quite startling in so dark a face. Of all the beggar men that I had seen or fancied, he was the chief for raggedness. He's fancying beggar men. Of all the beggars that I fancied, yours <laughs> is the... something else. Your chief for raggedness. Okay. Ruggedness. Raggedness. I don't think that's a positive. He was clothed with tatters of old ship's canvas and old sea cloth, and this extraordinary patchwork was all held together by a system of the most various and incongruous fastenings, brass buttons, bits of stick, and loops of tarry gaskin. 
About his waist, he wore an old brass buckled leather belt, which was the one thing solid in his whole accoutrement. It's like on Drag Race when they have to make their own outfits. Yeah. And like one of them's not very <laughs> it's good. It's a stick. <laughs> it's a stick. Drag on a dog. It's resourceful. Okay, I don't know what Gaskin is. What's Loops of Tarry Gaskin? I'm going to say something like animal skin? No, or I don't know. I'm just guessing. Part of the hind leg of a horse. Oh, a tarry is apparently covered with tar. So he's got brass buttons, bits of stick, and bits of basically horse covered in tar. Lovely. (laughs) That would look look nice. (laughs) That would look nice. He sounds like someone who's meant to be in the crudes or something. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) From prehistoric era. Three years, I cried. Were you shipwrecked? Nah, mate, said he. Marooned! Blah! <laughs> nah, mate. Nah. Nah, mate. Nah, mate. Nah, mate. <laughs> I had heard the word and I knew it stood for a horrible kind of punishment common enough among the buccaneers in which the offender is put ashore with a little powder and a shot and left behind on some desolate and distant island. Maroon three years gone! Yeah. He continued, had lived on goats since then, and <laughs> berries and oysters. Wherever a man is, says I, a man can do for himself. Wow! <laughs> but may my heart is sore for Christian Diod. <laughs> you might happen to have a piece of cheese about you. Now, no, well, many's the long night I've dreamed of cheese. (laughs) Cheese. And woke up again, (laughs) and here I was. Could I just say, I completely identify. (laughs) (laughs) Many's the night I've dreamed of cheese. I I was on a cruise, an American cruise ship for three and a half months. And American cheese is nowhere near as good as British cheese. Oh, no, no. They don't do things. And literally, the first thing I bought when I walked out of Heathrow Airport, I went into Marks and Spencer's and I bought two of those fingers of extra mature cheddar and and a packet of Percy pigs. And I wolfed it down in the back seat because it was like, I need something British to make me feel like... So I completely identify with this guy. He's he's yeah. he's a man after my own heart. I love it. It's like wasn't you know wasn't dreaming of company, wasn't dreaming of alcohol or women or anything like cheese. <laughs> Not really the thing you'd expect a pirate to dream about. Cheese. <laughs> one to be fair, once you've had a good British extra mature cheddar, it's that's, true. Uh, you know you might feel the same. Never going back. Yeah, yeah. it's it's like back. heroin. You, you're a dependent. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Cheese. Toasted mostly. Please. Toasted you got any cheese? Please, sir. You got some cheese. If ever I can get aboard again, says I, you shall have cheese by the stone. All this time he had been feeling the stuff of my jacket, smoothing my hands, looking at my boots, and generally in the intervals of his speech, showing a childish pleasure in the presence of a fellow creature. But at my last words, he perked up into a kind of startled slyness. 
If ever I can get a board again, says you, he repeated. <laughs> Why now, who's to hinder you? Uh, not you, I know, was my reply. Had a right you was, he cried. Now you, what do you call yourself, mate? Jim, I told him. Jim. Jim, says he, <laughs> quite pleased, apparently. Well, now, Jim, I've lived that rough as you'd be ashamed to hear of. Now, for instance, you wouldn't think I had had a pious mother to look at me, he asked. Uh, why, no, no, not in particular, I answered. Oh, well, said he. But I had remarkable pious. <laughs> and I was a civil pious boy and I could rattle off my catechism that's fast. And you couldn't tell one word from another. <laughs> and here's what it come to, Jim. It begun with... Chuck Farthen on the blessed gravestones. That's what it begun with, but it went further than that. And so my mother told me, and predict the whole she did, the pious woman. But it were providence that put me here. I've thought it all out in this here lonely island. And I'm back on piety. Ah! You don't catch me tasting rum so much, but just a thimbleful for luck, of course. The first chance I have, I'm bound I'll be good. And I see the way too. And Jim, looking all round him and lowering his voice to a whisper, I'm rich. I now felt sure that the poor fellow had gone crazy in his solitude, and I suppose I must have shown the feeling in my face, for he repeated the statement hotly. Rich! Rich! I says, and I'll tell you what, I'll make a man out of you, Jim. Oh. Ah, Jim. <laughs> Get down to business. Yeah. Ah, Jim, you'll bless your stars, you will. For you were the first that found me. And at this there came suddenly a lowering shadow over his face, and he tightened his grasp upon my hand and raised a forefinger threateningly before my eyes. Now, Jim, you tell me true. That ain't Flint's ship, he asked. At this I had a happy inspiration. I began to believe that I had found an ally, and I answered him at once. It's not Flint's ship, and Flint is dead. But I'll tell you true as you ask me. There are some of Flint's hands aboard. Worse luck for the rest of us. Not a man with one leg, <laughs> he gasped. Silver, I asked. Ah, Silver, says he. That were his name. He's the cook, and the ringleader, too. He was still holding me by the wrist, and at that he gave it quite a ring. If you was sent by Long John, he said, 
I'm as good as pork. And I know it. <laughs> pork. Pork. <laughs> but where was you, do you suppose? I had made my mind up in a moment, and by way of answer, told him the whole story of our voyage and the predicament in which we found ourselves. He heard me with the keenest interest, and when I had done, he patted me on the head. <laughs> it's so patronizing. I guess he's standing up at this point then. <laughs> like he looks like an absolute thing and he's still the one patronizing him. Yeah. You're a good lad, Jim, he said. And you're all in a clove head, ain't ya? Well you just put your trust in Ben Gunn. Ben Gunn's the man to do it. <laughs> Would you think it likely now that your squire would prove a liberal-minded one in the case of help, him being in a clovitch, as you remark? Ben Gunn would be a great superhero name, I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm surprised there isn't a kid's show called Ben Gunn. Yeah, Ben Gunn, the man uh. do it. Ben Gunn, you're gonna do it. Ben Gunn. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I can, you can, it writes itself. The all-new Ben Gunn action figure, available now at Toys R Us. Yeah, just some <laughs> sweaty, sunburnt man it's with good massive name, hair <laughs> crawling along the floor. Utility belt sold separately. You pull his ring at the back and he just goes... <laughs> <laughs> and then sings Rod Stewart. <laughs> I told him the squire was the most liberal of men. Hi! But you see, returned Ben Gunn, I didn't mean giving me a gate to keep and a suit of livery clothes and such. That's not my mark, Jim. What I mean is, would he be likely to come down to the tune of, say, one thousand pounds out of money that's as good as a man's own already? I'm sure he would said I. As it was, all hands were to share. And a passage home, he added with a look of great shrewdness. Why, I cried, the squire's a gentleman, and besides, if we got rid of the others, we should want you to help work the vessel home. Ah, said he. So you would. And he seemed very much relieved. Now I'll tell you what. He went on, so much I'll tell you, and no more. I were in Flint's ship when he buried the treasure. He and six along, six strong seamen. They was ashore, nigh on a week, and I standing off and on, and the old walrus. I'm guessing their ship was called the walrus. Mm, it's a great name. It is. One fine day. Up went the signal, and here come Flint by himself in a little boat, and his head done up in a blue scarf. Blah! The sun was getting up, and the mortal whitey looked about the cut water. But there he was, you mind, and at the six all dead, dead and buried. How, how he done it. Not a man aboard could make out. It was battle, murder, and sudden death, leastways him against six. Billy Bones was the mate, 
Long John, he was quartermaster, and they asked him where the treasure was. Ah, says he, you can go ashore if you like and stay, he says. But as for the ship, she'll beat up for more by thunder. That's what he said. Well, I was in another ship three years back, and we sighted this island. Boys, said I, here's Flint's treasure. Let's land and find it. The captain was displeased at that, but my messmates were all of a mind and landed. Twelve days they looked for it, and every day they had the worst word for me, until one fine morning all hands went aboard. As for you, Benjamin Gunn, says they, here's a musket, they says, and a spade and pickaxe. You can stay here and find Flint's money for yourself, they says. Well, Jim, three years have I been here, and not a bite of a Christian diet from that day to this. <laughs> but now, you look here, look at me. Do I look like a man before the mast? No, says you. Nor I weren't neither, I says. And with that, he winked and pinched me hard. Just you mention them words to your squire, Jim, he went on. Nor he weren't neither. That's the words. Three years he were the man of the island, light and dark, fair and rain. And sometimes he would maybe think about a prayer, says you. And sometimes he would maybe think of his old mother. So be as she's alive, you'll say. But the most part of Gunn's time, this is what you'll say. The most part of his time was took up with another matter. And then you'll give him a nip like I do. And he pinched me again in the most confidential manner. Then, he continued, then you'll up and you'll say this. Gun is a good man, you'll say. And he puts a precious sight, more confidence, a precious sight, mind that. In a gentleman born than in these gentlemen of fortune, having been one himself. Well, I said, I don't understand one word that you've been saying, but that's neither here nor there. For how am I to get on board? Ah, says he, that's the hitch for sure. Well, there's my boat that I made with my two hands. I keep her under the white rock. If the worst come to the worst, he might try that after dark. Hi! He broke out. What's that? For just then, although the sun had still an hour or two to run, all the echoes of the island awoke and bellowed to the thunder of a cannon. They've begun to fight. Ooh. I cried. <clears throat> Follow me. And I began to run towards the anchorage, my terrors all forgotten while close at my side the marooned man in his goatskins trotted easily and lightly. Left! Ah, left! says he. Keep to your left hand, mate Jim! 
Under the trees with you. There's where I killed my first goat. They don't come down here now. They're all mast-headed on their mountings for fear of Benjamin Gunn. Ah. <laughs> and there's the cemetery. Cemetery. Oh, cemetery. Oh, cemetery. Cemetery. And there's the cemetery. Cemetery. He must have meant. You see the mounds. I come here and prayed nows and ends when I thought maybe a Sunday would be about due. It weren't quite a chapel, but it seemed more solemn-like. And then, says you, Ben Gunn was short-handed. No chapeling, nor so much as a Bible and a flag, he says. So he kept talking as I ran, neither expecting nor receiving any answer. The cannon shot was followed after a considerable interval by a volley of small arms. Another pause, and then not a quarter of a mile in front of me. I beheld the Union Jack flutter in the air above a wood. End of chapter. And end Ooh. of part three. So a lot happened there. So you got someone who was on Flint ship, then yeah. ended up being marooned by another ship. And then he's obviously trying to talk Jim into taking him with him, saying, I can give you a thousand pounds because he's probably found Flint's treasure by now, I'm assuming. He's probably been everywhere. He said he's, he? Yeah. he said he's rich. Yeah. But it also kind of just shows, you know, think where money is so worthless unless you're somewhere where you can spend it. Do you know what I mean? Like water, food, shelter, all those things are a lot more valuable to this man than gold. Do you mean he's just sitting on an island with a big pile of gold and, and goats? Well, this, this, yeah, and goats. <laughs> yeah, they're scared of me. They're all scared of me. They're scared of Ben Gunn. That was my. Favorite <laughs> <bit>. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, it's like a bragging. So, do you reckon that um, in the last chapter, John blowing his whistle was the sign of like, right, we're going to attack the ship. We've gotten rid of the men who are ashore who aren't with us. So let's let's now go back and take the ship. Yeah, I guess so. Hmm. I mean, I'm trying to work out now what the next chapter is going to be called. We've got the next section and the next chapter, haven't we? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out who was firing at who. Presumably that was the captain firing from it because he stayed on. Yeah, the cannon. The cannon would be from the ship. And then the mm. interval of folly of small arms would probably be the ship as well. Because remember, they kept all yeah, the like guns and the gunpowder on the ship. They did, yeah. So John and that lot are probably reduced down to just knives. At this point, and maybe a pistol, but mostly just knives, which was part of the plan, wasn't it? Like, yeah, yeah, well, because it does leave them with the arm advantage, even though they've got less people and leg advantage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, their team does have an odd number of legs. <laughs> right, so we got, I guess. A chapter and a section, right? We need two. Yes, I'd like to know, mm. guess what part four is called? Followed swiftly by, guess what the next chapter's called? I'm going to go for like mutiny for for the part chapter four, because I think well, that's the next phase we're entering. Part four. With an exclamation mark. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then chapter 16, I think is going to be like, the battle for the Hispaniola or something like that. I was literally about to say that. Oh, okay. Cool. Sorry. 
Well, no, 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 no. It's fine. That's, that's the game. That's the game. Um, I just have to think of something different now. Um, part chapter, four. Uh, no, part four. The Battle for Treasure Island. I remember. Sounds good, doesn't it? Nice. Uh, and chapter and 16? And then the next, the next chapter is called... Uh, oh, is that the section? Uh, the section. Oh, that yeah, was the section, sorry. The, um, and the next one is going to be called Return to the Hispaniola. It's not quite the same. La, 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 la. No! <laughs> Uh, okay. Um, well, turn up for the books. You're both wrong. Uh-huh. Oh, no. Uh, because part four is entitled The Stockade. I don't even know what that is. What's the stockade? It's like a, like a, like a, like a barricade, right? A bit like a barricade. A barrier formed from upright wooden posts or stakes. Especially Most as a defence against attack. Yeah, oh, like a little wooden stick fence. Yeah, yeah, like the old kind of like mm. pioneer spiky stick fences. Yeah, if Lamez happened on Treasure Island, it would be. Yes, there. okay. And then, quite interestingly, Chapter 16 has, has, has a long and convoluted title, mm-hmm. which I will now oh, read. Okay. Narrative continued by the Doctor, how the ship was abandoned. Oh, oh, so we get to hear the other side of the story from the Doctor's side while he's on the ship, while Jim's on land. I guess. I guess. Are we switching narrators, maybe? I didn't realise that this book was like that. Yes, I think we're switching thought, narrators. I thought like Dracula was one of the first ones to do that. I didn't realise that Treasure Island did that as well. There you go. Where they had like, you know, different sections told by different characters. No, that's quite fun. So you're going to read this in Dr. Livesey's voice then? <laughs> uh, uh, oh, yes. Lovely. I'm very happy to. <laughs> If it was narrative continued by Ben Gunn, I'd say... Yes, uh, no, you'd be like, absolutely not. Go away. Absolutely forever. not. No. <laughs> I decided to take it musically in as uh, as close to uh, not music anymore as I could. And uh, if I just kept if I just kept knocking it down and down and down, then it would be easier to do. <laughs> to morph, morph it eventually, yeah. If you have any thoughts or opinions on this chapter, you can message us on thelazybookclub at gmail.com. Uh, or if you've eaten more ben, uh, more goats than Ben Gunn, let us know on Twitter. It's at Lazy Book Club Pod. Uh, message me on uh, message us on Instagram at Lazy Book Club Pod. Send me your address. Uh, I'll send you my address, and then you can post me some right. sort of throat lozenges. Uh, because after that <laughs> chapter, I'll send you a picture of throat lozenges just to annoy you. Yeah, me. I just, just wondered picture. what was going on there. I wondered where this was going. Yeah, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. This I, is not. A just, no, I decided I'm going to use the Lazy Book Club as a dating service for myself. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sure your wife, wife will very appreciate, yeah, really yeah, appreciate yeah, that's that. That's fine. It's, it's what we'll keep between ourselves and everything. It's going to have random Patreon fans turning up at your house. Only fans. Only fans? Well, you can run that. I ain't running that. <laughs> oh, dear. I know I've got the moustache for it, but I'm not doing oh, any of that. Bow, chicka, bow, bow. Right, we're off topic. So join us next week for The Stockade and Chapter 16 of Treasure Island, which I'm going to have to read because it's too long. Narrative continued by the Doctor. How the ship was about... Oh, we didn't talk about that. The ship's been abandoned then. They've just they've just left Well, it. apparently... Na- that, well, that, that's apparently yeah, true. Yes, I've heard of it. Yeah. So the interesting thing will be, has it 
is this slightly in the future and it's been abandoned because the pirates have managed to take it off of them and they've fled? Or was the abandonment part of the plan? But it couldn't have been part of the plan because it's their only way off the island. So you would only really abandon mm-hmm. it if it was choice between your life and... Or is there a, is right? there a mole? Mm. Oh. Oh, I hadn't Not thought of an that. actual mole. Oh, well, there you go. Any mole. What? We, we don't, we, we don't know like everyone. It might just be like one of them was... A mutineer. There's another pirate called Keith, who's Alan's best mate, and it's just, <laughs> he was Alan. <laughs> mole. Ken. Yeah, something really boring. Uh, Kevin. Oh dear. Well, anyway, join us for that next week. We'll see you then. Bye. Ta da.